I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Global Change Agents with me, Liana Brinded, the Digest Edition, a podcast brought to you by Yahoo Finance UK. You can watch a full version of this interview by heading over to yahoo.co.uk forward slash change agents. I'm delighted to be joined in the studio today by Sue Uniman, Chief Transformation Officer at the UK's largest media agency, Mediacom. Sue is also the co-author of The Glass Wall, a book that offers advice for women seeking success at work. Hi, thank you for having me here. I would love to start with the book. Cool. So you interviewed 100 men and women in order to dig into the divide or the glass wall, if you put it, which exists between men and women in the workplace. So what sparked that moment that made you and Catherine want to go and write this book? It actually wasn't my idea. I'd, I'd written a previous book called T uh, Tell the Truth, Honesty is Your Most Powerful Marketing Tool back in 2012. And... Um, when my eldest daughter went off to university, I thought, I'm going to, I'll tell you what, I'm going to write another book. I, I, was, I was a bit worried that I would, you know, the empty nesting thing, and I was a bit worried I'd be following my younger daughter around the house and annoying her, and I thought, I'll write another book. And I went to my mere boss, Nick Lawson, um, who's now my global COO, and I said, would Mediacom publish it, because let's make it about our clients? And he said, yeah, Sue, but he said, somewhat surprisingly, that's not the book you should write. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, you should write a book about women and work. And then I thought about Mediacom at the time, and at the time um, of thinking about writing the book, Karen Blackett, who's now our chair and is WPP's UK lead, was my CEO, and her ex-co was predominantly women. Um, and not only was it predominantly women, most of those women worked part-time, and, and, you know, it was a very successful time in our, our career uh, of, of Mediacom. Um, it's a very competitive sector. Most businesses faced with, and um, we'll have most women in our exco, and most of them will work part-time because they're looking after kids, would have said, what a great idea, maybe one day. But it had happened, and it happened organically. And at that point, I thought, well, how is that... Why is Mediacom so unusual? Why hasn't that happened across our industry? Why hasn't that happened across industry in general? And I thought, there is a book in this, because we need to work out why it's not the case everywhere and what to do about it. And so I went to Catherine and I said, Catherine Jacob, who's CEO of Palandine, I said, will you write this book with me? You've had 30 years' experience in the advertising um, industry. At least. So you've seen a lot of it. Yeah. Um, what would you say have been the biggest strides of change? Mm. But then what has actually stayed the same and what's gotten worse? Right, so I think what's fascinating and brilliant about our industry is that everything's changed and nothing's changed. So the job, when I first came into it, um, I first started working for the media business in uh, uh, 1990, which then became Mediacom, um, so it'll be 30 years there um, next summer, um, was to grow our clients' business. We were a tiny agency at the time. We've grown exponentially. Um, as you said, we're now the biggest in the UK, um, and I'd say the best. And um, we've grown because we've helped our clients grow. That hasn't changed. 
The other thing that hasn't changed are people. So basic human drives, needs, wants, desires, they haven't changed for hundreds of thousands of years. Um, so those two things have stayed the same. What's changed enormously, of course, is the media through which we can communicate to them. And that's changed ex extraordinarily because of the internet. Um, there are new things and new rules that are being created all the time. And I think the real challenge of our industry is not to get distracted by stuff that's new and exciting and run after it and ignore the things that actually hold true. How's it impacted on advertising? And of course, you know, have you seen um, from your research a transformation in terms of how consumers are eating it? So the, the ASA regulations, I, th I think, are uh, interesting and a good thing, and they're, and they're just putting them in place, and so they're you know, trying them out with different kind of levels of where they should be imposed. Um, I think it's fair to say that people in general don't necessarily feel best represented by advertising anyway. I'm not sure they ever have. Advertising can create kind of a, an idealised version of people, um, and whether that is... What, what, whatever group you're in, I'm not sure that you necessarily would ever say, yeah, I really feel that, you know, as a woman I'm represented in advertising, as a dad I'm represented well in advertising. I, I think that the people that do it, the ads that do it, will remember, but they're kind of few and far between. Um, and then, of course, there's lots and lots of advertising that just goes with kind of characters instead. Um, I think... It's one of the great, for me, it's one of the great challenges again. Um, and that, in a way, is back to what we said in, in our first book, T Tell the Truth, which is that you can't just sell sizzle anymore. You can't sell kind of, you know, over-polished versions of things because everybody out there can find out everything they want to know about you, including what everybody else thinks about your brand and including the authenticity of it and, and price comparisons. So you need to build more of that honesty and reality into communications, and I think the advertisers that do that do very well. And is there someone that uh, stands out to you as an authentic leader that you not aspire to, but maybe more just you really respect? I am surrounded. I am so fortunate by surrounded by so many awesome women. So um, from, from Catherine, my co-author, from um, Karen Blackett, my uh, UK chair, um, our new CEO, Kate Rowlinson, Satin Reed, our MD, Claudine Collins, um, our uh, chief client officer. The, 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 I, could, I, could, I could name you dozens. There's so many strong women that I work with day in and day out. And in addition to that, if you want to know who I'm actually most influenced by, do you want to know who I'm most influenced by? Yes. My grown-up daughters. So I have two and their bravery, their wisdom is beyond anything that I expected when I first got into the mothering game. It's kind of, they're awesome. What we mean by it is to be on top of change. So to be on top of change for both our clients, for, you know, as, as market leaders in the industry, but also to make sure that we at Mediacom are on top of change and the changes that are going on. But we don't mean by it that it is a transformation project that has a beginning and an end. And we don't mean by it that I own all the transformation at Mediacom because we firmly believe that that's the job of the whole of the senior management. One person can't make those changes happen. It belongs to everyone. So one of the things that um, we've been talking about today, a lot about that radical honesty and authenticity. Yeah. In your books and on the circuit, you have discussed yeah. that when it comes to women at work, mm. having emotion is usually seen as a more uh, negative thing. So 
Where would you say is the right balance in terms of showing your emotions at work? I think you have to be strategic about it. When people say bring your whole self to work, they don't mean all of the use that you are all of the time. So there are days when, you know, my authentic self involves lying on the sofa and eating crisps. You know, that isn't the me that Mediacom kind of pay me to turn up as. So you need to use judgment and you need to use put your best side forward. And, you know, if, if someone's using your emotions against you as a weakness, that's, I mean, that's insane. You know, one of the things that's going to keep us in jobs when the robots take over is the fact that we've got authentic kind of human emotions, so you need to be in touch with them. But we would always say, think about it carefully. Um, my rule would be don't cry in a meeting. Um, part of the reason for that is because I think, and this is my experience and also the experience of the women that we've spoken to, that when, when women cry, it's often because they're angry, not because they're sad or upset. Um, but that's not how it comes across. It, it comes across as she's crying because she can't cope, not she's crying because she's, insert swear hit, word here, furious, right? Um, so my view is, is get yourself out of that meeting. If you're in a situation, and I've been in that situation, where you feel like you're not going to kind of quite be in control because you're so invested in, because you care so much about the situation, just take a rain check, take a deep breath, take yourself to the toilet, you know, even take yourself for a walk around the block. Think about how you can use your emotion to win in the situation rather than just let everything out automatically. And if that sounds a little bit like a break on spontaneity, then I guess maybe it is. But, you know, you, you've got to think at work about how you're going to win your argument, not just about letting everything out all the time. One thing in your book that you mentioned is about anger. Yeah. So there's one, like, uh, great quote in there that you were saying that men usually, you know, tap into their inner bastard, while, like, women, they try to suppress or hide their inner bitch. Yeah. And so where, how, in that kind of context, especially in very high-stress environments yeah. where anger and egos is a very usual thing, we're all human, but how, when it comes to women, do they navigate that when it's more accepted that if a male worker got angry versus a woman got angry? Well, I think it has been more accepted. I'm not sure it's more accepted now, so that's the first thing to say. So I think there is, there are, in some cultures, that's, that's changing, and some cultures are, are behind that. But if, you, if you're in a high-stress situation, if you can helicopter yourself above it, and see what's going on. If you can put yourself in the shoes of everybody that's in the situation, even just for a moment, then you win. That's winning, right? Because what you're doing then is you're being the grown-up in the situation. And if you can be the grown-up in the situation, then you will win your argument. Now, it takes taking a deep breath. It's much easier to say than it is necessarily to do. But um, I recently um, spoke to someone who I mentor, actually, um, and she said that she'd tried it in a particular situation and she'd been absolutely amazed at how well it had worked. So that's what I'd say is give it a try um, because that's how you'll get through it. Another piece of advice that yourself and Catherine um, have talked about and it's in your book is around networking. Mm. And I think that's a really interesting area to talk about because 
It, it's sometimes to do with obviously diversity of personality, an introvert versus an extrovert, yeah. and in lots of leadership books like you were uh, talking about before, including what Sheryl Sandberg has done with Lean In, really focuses on leaders who have an extrovert quality. Yeah. So what is your advice for those um, powerful, strong leaders that may not be an extrovert. So um, Catherine and I talk about this quite a lot when we give our talks because she is an extrovert. So Catherine will go out six evenings a week on the trot. I don't do that. Um, I, can't, I, can't, I can't do that. It's not because I don't like people. I like people. I just I can't I can't manage it. What I do is I kind of have a deal with myself. Um, uh, uh, and it's it's that you know I, I have a kind of I think about how many evenings a month I think I I should go out. You know it's like zero evenings a month that's definitely not enough 30 evenings a month that's definitely too much so now i'm in a negotiation with myself about you know where, where to land um and then when i do go out i think two things first of all a lot of people who network network with people they know that actually isn't networking going somewhere hanging out with people that you know already and having a laugh with them that's actually not networking that's just seeing your friends um, networking is going and talking to people that you didn't already know and people who may be from a very different background from you and actually can kind of add to your working life. Um, so that's my deal is I'll go out a certain number of evenings a month. Um, I will um, pledge to myself that I'm going to meet two interesting people, exchange business cards, get to know them a bit and then I can go home. One of the other things that, um, especially over the last few years, when people have been talking about building up your leadership skills, is actually yeah. physical embodiment yeah. of leadership. Yeah. How do you feel about those theories about posture and power pose? Right, so they're all true. Um, so um, I, I actually started doing this a, a long time ago. And I started doing this, you know, in a small way, myself, kind of in my 20s, when I was really nervous about something. If you, if you act confident, then, and it just really works, then you become more confident. So a few deep breaths before you go into a situation that you're feeling nervous about, you know, a big meeting or a big presentation or something. Take yourself off somewhere privately and say to yourself, I'm going to be great in there. I'm going to rock this meeting. And if you say that out loud, quietly, obviously don't say it in reception, don't say it so other people can hear, it really will give you a better kind of attitude when you're in the meeting. You can embody all this stuff and you can still be blocked, whether it's blocked by a manager, blocked by a process that prevent you from succeeding, that's life. Mm. So what are practical steps when it comes to allowing people to thrive and succeed and to get around those obstacles? Every single case study in our book gives tips for the women on the way out, but also tips for the businesses, because there are so many schoolboy errors that businesses make over and over and over again. Um, businesses are very good at promoting people who are good at getting promoted. That is not the same as promoting someone who will be good at the job into which they are going to be promoted. Right? Mm. And that's one of the reasons sometimes why businesses kind of can stall. Um, you have to listen. You have to make... Uh, give opportunities for quieter people in your team to tell you about their achievements. Um, and I think, above all, you have to look for diversity um, in your succession plan rather than just the same person as yourself. It's, it's, it's a really easy thing to do. If someone says to you, hey, we're going to promote you, you're really good, we're going to promote you, but you need a number two who's, who's as good as you are, it's really an easy thing to think, well, I'm very good because I'm getting promoted, so if I go out and find someone who's exactly like me, that's great, right? Because so then you get 
streams and streams of mini-me's and people who are just trying to be like the person that they work for, not having their own opinion. And that's a massive weakness in succession management. We want people to join our team who are going to add to our playlist, not just duplicate. Very often um, in our talks, um, and, and predominantly for the glass wall, um, there are mostly women at, at, who attend the talks. And, and Catherine and I don't, don't do the invitation list. It's for the businesses that we go to. Mostly women. One of the men who are there will at some point put their hand up and go, um, this is very important to me. I came along to this talk because I now have a daughter and I don't want her to suffer the things in the workplace that I can see are going on. What can I do to help? And the answer is, you can help your daughter by changing things for your colleagues in the workplace now, for the women around you, for your friends, for the women that you work with. Every day you can say something inclusive instead of something excluding. Every day there's an opportunity to, to you know, there's a kind of choice, you know, do I laugh along with the banter that maybe is feeling, making somebody feel excluded or do I actually change it and speak up for someone else? You know, men, men have got to have a reason to come along to those talks. They've got to think that there's something in it for them. And that's the workplace that we need to create, where there's something in it for everybody to be more diverse and be more inclusive and where everybody can belong. What, what's the legacy that you want to leave behind? What, what keeps you going each day? Um, what keeps me going is um, making things fair for everybody. Um, I, that's, that's my big drive. I, I can't bear the idea... Um, that things don't fulfil their potential. Sue, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.